in South Africa, we have one of the highest Gini coefficients in the world. Um, and there are so many people that just have no, no access to justice. So during this lockdown, I did pick another fight, unfortunately. Um, and and uh, you know even my husband thinks I'm completely mad, but I, I do have this boundless energy. Uh, and I took on Facebook. Uh, I took on Facebook and Instagram uh, on behalf of a child, and because they just don't have any responsibility and duty of care to children. So I couldn't let this moment pass. Hello and welcome to another edition of Women Behind the Mask. My name is Shanaz Naya. I head up the People Consulting Function at Invested Bank, and I'm really pleased that you're able to join us today. Over the past few weeks, we've had the privilege of engaging with some exceptional women across many sectors, who with great authenticity and generosity have shared their experiences and provided us with a glimpse behind their own mask. In the words of my esteemed colleague, Anne Matuma, who heads up ICIB Marketing, this pandemic has been the great reveal. It has provided a view into our homes and our lives and allowed us to show our full selves. For the first time, we have not needed to travel to the gates of work and leave behind parts of ourselves before we enter. Instead, we have come to work with all of our many roles, fully on display, screaming children, barking dogs, needy family members, and unreliable Wi-Fi all in the mix. We have heard of the many complexities that women face, of the invisible and visible barriers that challenge them every day. And for the first time, we've had the opportunity to truly appreciate how much women do and how much they hold. Today, I'm honored to be hosting the Women in Leadership segment, and I'm excited to engage with our three guests who are all shaping society and changing lives. Wendy Applebaum, owner and chair of the Morgans and Wine Estate. Wendy will also be known to many of you for her diverse business interests, her philanthropic efforts, her role in women empowerment initiatives, and most recently, a focus on social impact investing. She has been a member and taken up leadership on many influential bodies, including the Donald Gordon Foundation, the Harvard University's Women's Leadership Board, Harvard's Global Advisory Council, and the International Women's Forum, to name but a few. Wendy, we are excited to have you with us today and look forward to this conversation with you. Also joining us today is Bongi Kuneni, CEO of the Banking Association of South Africa. Some will have known Bongi as group head for the public sector at Standard Bank. Some will know her as an economist, as a development finance specialist, a practitioner in economic regulation, a researcher, a policymaker, and a member of the South African presidential team that worked on a response to the global financial crisis in 2008. And then there are others who will know Bongi as a mentor, as an incredible leader, and as a mother of eight kids. Bongi, we look forward to hearing your story and learning from your many experiences to 
to these very turbulent times. And then we have my dear colleague, Marley Fanavon, Chief Financial Officer and part of the executive team of Investec Bank South Africa. Marley has always been passionate about women empowerment and has spearheaded many internal initiatives that have served to showcase the incredible talent that exists all over investing. To start the conversation, I think it's worth hearing from each of you ladies. And if I could start with you, please, Bongi. When we chatted last week, I was stuck by your comment. My stakeholders are my family. In these difficult times, I am constantly looking to find a way to fully enable myself and my family. When you took up this role as chairperson of BASA, it unfortunately coincided with COVID-19 and the lockdown in South Africa. We'd love to hear from you. What has the last five months been like for you? What have you learned? What can you share with us? Shanaz, um, I started at BASA. I was supposed to have a handover period. And the previous MD was going to go on and become the CEO of another entity. And the first week was really good. I met everybody. And the second week, the lockdown began. And the previous MD had to go to his new position. And I was with new people. And we had to change the mode of working and generally work from home. Uh, so here I am inheriting a new team, understanding the organization to be a very stable organization, but all of a sudden thrust into a pandemic, which has got unknown health consequences at that time. But also, the biggest fear was what is going to happen to the South African economy. And the first three days of the pandemic, the issues were just piling up because we had to start talking to the regulators immediately so that we don't have issues about anti-competitive behavior. So I had known some of the regulators, but I really didn't have a day-to-day -day, um, conversation with them in my previous roles. And of course, also have discussions with the ministers concerned and think about the clients for all the banks. How do you create operational risk uh, mechanisms that can be implemented seamlessly in the interface between the banks and clients and just sitting through a lot of detail. So that was something unexpected. But in the end, after about two or three weeks, I found it to be a huge blessing because I met everybody <laughs> at the same time. And I didn't have room to, to be something I'm not. It was just like getting, get things done, secure decisions and start moving. Don't stop. If you stop, maybe I'm going to collapse. And if you thought that uh, there was going to be 
a transition period. This is it. You've transitioned. Bungi, sounds like it was a baptism by fire, like, like one crisis after the other. I mean, you were in lockdown with a brand new team in a brand new role. Um, and like many of us on this call, you were needing to navigate that remotely um, with many other challenges facing you. Give us some insights into what you were busy working with there. Well, I had to be, I had to take a decision on just how you come across when you meet people that you are not meeting physically. So you don't have the uh, body language and other cues that you, you always create an impression. So I had to take a decision that those impressions don't matter. First thing on the internal side, getting to know people in a very compressed environment like that meant that uh, probably I've shared more of me than what is normal in my past roles because I really need to be understood and that must happen fast. And that sharing is constant, ongoing. And um, if it is a little bit uncomfortable for some people, it just has to continue because I don't have screens to sort of say, I will wait until you understand me a little bit better. I don't have that time, unfortunately. So it's been the, uh, the unvanished, authentic uh, stuff that just comes out first. Um, if it doesn't sound polished, I'm not bothered by that veneer that it doesn't sound polished. So it's come out in a sense of also even the way I talk, I could, I could try harder to sound a bit more sophisticated, but I don't have the time. I have to say what I mean the first time. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, so many of us work with masks. You come in and at the boardroom, you worry about airs and graces and being politically correct. And I'm hearing you say that when there's a crisis and a new team, it's all hands on deck and you come with your authentic self um, and people get behind it or don't. Um, and you work with what you've got. Uh, I'll, I'll cite one meeting in particular. I, I live with a grandchild and he fell in the shower and I had to take him to a hospital, but then they had changed the protocols and I, we needed to have the COVID test done, but I had a very important meeting. So I was outside at Lancet having this meeting in the car. And my real stakeholder was very unhappy in the back seat. And the noises coming from the stakeholder were the noises that you don't really want people at work <laughs> to, to hear. And having this professional conversation while I had to extend the hand and eventually I just picked him out of the baby chair and did the na-na-na thing shoo, 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 na, 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 it's going to be all right. And on the other side, I'm talking about prudential regulation. 
and the conversation is about real good ratios, the PVAs, the market risk multiplier, and it's all going on together. The shoo, 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 and the professional. And I didn't have the distance. The meeting had to happen and the baby had to attend it, had to be attended to. So that that was a part of me really wanted to apologize. But I felt if I apologize for a child who is hurt and the noises that the child is making, if I'm not able to tell him, please just shush for a moment, the apology, maybe it's going to be insincere. Just go on with the meeting. And the meeting went really well. Well, thank goodness for that. I think, you know, what you are sharing with us is how sometimes as leaders, you can, you can hide behind your professionalism. People don't ever access to the real you. And it's hard for them to connect to you also just being another human with human challenges, another mother, another grandmother faced with the same challenges. And Wendy, maybe if I can bring you into this conversation, yeah? When you and I chatted, um, you gave me the sense that, you know, what people around you think is important, but you're going to get your, your view across and you're going to work with what you've got. Are you able to tell us a little bit? What's the last five months been like for you? I'm pretty much black and white, uh, a little bit like Marmite. You love me or you hate me, but that's the way it is. And I think it's one of, my, I think it's one of the things that really frees me up. Um, not really needing to to be liked, I really don't care. Uh, being able to speak truth to power and to kind of move on. Uh, the last five months have been, you know, I think it's been a deep dive. I'm a really sociable person, so to kind of live in a in a shrunken world, um, and as much as I adore my husband of of nearly forty years, it's, he was he was just about the only person I could play with. For months, it was it was bad, and uh, you know, having been a relatively spoiled South African woman, I had to learn all sorts of things uh, um, from the domestic uh, side of life. Um, and um, so, for a while, we 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 had absolutely no no help whatsoever. Uh, we played musical beds for the first few weeks until the reality of doing the sheets and beds really rolled in. But um, but we did it, you know. There 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 were challenges. But I must say, I think I I think it hasn't been nearly that bad. I think one digs deep and and starts to enjoy one's own company and uh, starts to do things that you don't necessarily have time to do. Uh, during busy periods of time, because it wasn't as busy as it could have been, so it 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 had it had its moments. I think it simplified life. Um, I think I have you know most of the time during lockdown. In fact, all the time, I wore my sneakers, and in fact, I've gotten into such a bad habit of wearing sneakers. You think I look fancy today, but actually, under the table, I'm still wearing my sneakers. So one definitely had more time. There was there were you know fewer things that that um, that needed to be done. But honestly, the, the our um, the South African wine industry was really hit by devastation. I can tell you, 
uh, the banning of alcohol, which, you know, for an agricultural food product was unutterably bizarre. Um, and I think it had a devastating effect on our industry, which, of course, is the part that really upsets me. Not, I mean, it was bad enough to see a fat zero on my income for April. Zero. I mean, there's a financial uh, uh, a CFO there sitting. It, it, it is really tough. But let me tell you, it was a lot tougher for the workers. About 21,000 people lost their jobs. Um, they reckon about 80 wineries and about 350 grape producers will go out of business. I mean, it was such a poor decision. But worse than that, honestly, uh, the losses in terms of the excises, uh, excise duties and taxes actually amounts to 10% of the IMF loan. It's mind-boggling that this was allowed to happen uh, to an industry that is, you know, adds about 3% to the GDP. It, it's criminal. I can understand that alcohol needed to, to you know, have, be part of the solution uh, to, to the COVID crisis. But when Kosozana actually irrationally banned exports, it, it's, the, the mind boggles. I can tell you, it absolutely boggles. And to see what happened to, the, to the, how the fiscus is going to battle through that, was unbelievable. And then there was the challenge, you know, of uh, funding. And then, you know, that's wearing not my my commercial hat, but my philanthropic hat. Um, and seeing people starving in the country and businesses going under. And I can tell you that I needed that extra time that, that we had really to just put my head down and work um, and try and make a difference. I imagine, and what you what you're raising for us is the devastation um, economically that so many families are facing, Wendy. And when I think about your industry and many of the businesses that you're involved in, so many young entrepreneurs trying to get a kickstart in life. Um, they, this has probably set them back significantly, and a significant part of those entre entrepreneurs will be women. Uh, trying to make a living, build a business, absolutely, uh, forward for herself, her family. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I, I listen. You know, I think all I don't think that women entrepreneurs have been any worse affected than men. I actually think the working population uh, of women has been far more devastated than the entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are pretty much in control of their own businesses and, um, and and by virtue of them being entrepreneurs, they, they probably have a little more business sense or whatever the case may be. The people that I feel very, very sorry for are people who, who have, you know, lost their jobs and lost any access to income. And that really was worse. Um, and, you know, one wonders, I, I think it was a very difficult time for everybody in the world. This was uncharted waters. People didn't really understand um, the 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 whole thing, but you know, it's it's in in the end we will we will be able to look back. Unfortunately, we couldn't look forward um, to because there was no history to teach us how to deal with this. And I think you know some people overreacted and other people underreacted, and whatever the case is, um, it's going to have a devastating effect on the on the world economy. Marley. 
Wendy raises an important point, you know, which is some of the most vulnerable people have been those that are employed, uh, who depend on a monthly income or a weekly income uh, to support their families uh, and their extended family members. You're the CFO of a bank, uh, and you help our executives think about costs and income and how we manage that. What are some of the things been that you've been uh, grappling with um, as a member of that executive team? And what can you share with us about what you've learned over the past five months, Molly? Yeah, so I think for us in financial services, you know, um, it was a, quite a, a tough period. You know, it was um, lots of hard work. Um, if I just look at, you know, for at investing in particular, our finance teams are very busy in Jan, Feb and March and April. We've got a March year end, you know, in Jan, Feb, we do budgets and three-year plans, you know, and prepare for the year end. And all of a sudden in March, you know, um, we started all over again, you know. So um, all the preparation we did for year end was out the window and we had to restart you know, with all of that, we had to do an audit online. And then as soon as the audit was done, we had to start the whole planning process from scratch, you know, because none of the plans we came up with in Jan and Feb was relevant anymore. We had to start from scratch. But whilst we were doing the year end, we did many scenarios, you know, um, what what is revenue going to look like? And we literally had to look in the crystal ball and see what this going to, how this is going to impact us, you know, and the economy was basically on a shutdown. We originally thought it was going to be the three weeks and we'll recover, but we also did some longer scenarios if the shutdown takes longer. But obviously for our clients, you know, we we saw activity drop off because even though some of our clients could still be active, you know, they needed other services that was not operational. So for instance, you know, we can do, some of our clients want to buy houses, but they can't register any bonds, you know, so we, we can't do the deals, you know. So um, so definitely we saw a lot of our clients impacted and that obviously had a knock on impact on our, in terms of our revenue. For us as an executive team, I think we, we said we will try and cut as much as possible in terms of our expenditure, you know, look at discretionary spend, um, COVID also did us some favors, you know, because people couldn't travel. So automatically some of your spend was was low and you didn't have to make a decision around it. So that was good. But we said we really want to protect our people. We really, during this time, this is the last thing we want to do, you know, is we'd rather look at variable remuneration and things like that, but try and save jobs as much as possible, you know, and we had a tough time, like I said, you know, in terms of finance, we worked long, long hours, you know, for some of my team, you know, they couldn't even get to grips with whether we were in lockdown or not in lockdown or whether there was online schooling or not online schooling. There was just no time to think about those things. You just had to go with the flow, you know, in the moment, everything became intertwined. And, you know, when you look out there, you actually happy that you could work that hard, you know, because you'd rather be in that situation where you actually have to work around the clock than actually not having to go to to a job, you know. So so it's it's really, 
you know, some of the things that you, you think is sort of a, a bit of a burden is actually a blessing, you know, during this time. And I think, you know, like I said, you know, from, from a business perspective, you are trying to really protect your people as much as possible because um, you have to look forward, you know, and and hope that you'll come through this and try and save in other ways, you know, to be able to protect your people. I'm keen to get a sense um, from from the three of you. Um, what have you learned about yourself um, and and your leadership style? And how has that shaped um, the way you're thinking about the world moving forward? And I, I wonder, while you think about that, I'm reminded by um, Advocate Tuli Madonsela, who I think it was last year sometime, maybe two years ago, time just uh, becomes one mush. But Tuli said, if we commence each day with a question, how will I improve life in this world today? Then our actions will be purpose-driven and impactful. In the roles that you hold, all three of you, you have the ability um, to for decision to influence decisions so that they are purpose-driven and they have maximum impact. Are you able to share with us some of the things that have been cooking around your exec tables and how you've led that uh, conversation and what inroads you've made? Maybe, Wendy, we can start with you. Listen, you know, I think it's been a tough time for everybody. Uh, and I think one of the, you know, the, as you're saying, Mali, is that there have been benefits um, and there have been negatives. I think it's, a, it's a really beneficial to be in one place. And um, this Zoom has really been an amazing thing. All these uh, online platforms have been incredible. But you do miss, I think, one of the essences of women um, in terms of a management style because we're very coercive rather than conf confrontational. I mean, I can be a little confrontational at times, whatever, but mostly our, our, our management style is something quite gentle, to be honest. Um, and so I think you lose a lot of the, what would you call it, the, the, the touchy-feely stuff that we women really do rely on. You can't put your arm around anybody. You can't. There's the empathy and the sympathy and the and the and 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 the fact that you know we 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 kind of work with carrots. We don't work with sticks. So it's very difficult. It's a different power kind of thing, but it's a very it's it needs the interaction. So you lose that intimacy and that interaction because women. I mean, women are far, far more like to be loved than to be feared. Um, and so I, I think that's why they've been so successful. But it's been difficult to communicate in those soft, gentle ways, I have to be honest. I think you're right. I think many people have spoken about how this way of communication um, creates efficiency. And, and the things that, that happen between meetings uh, is what we don't have anymore. And some of that is just the fun. Uh, so we've lost Absolutely. the fun. What happens outside and between conversations and meetings. And Male, you said something important to me. You said one of the benefits has been, though, that it has created more discipline in how we have meetings. 
And maybe that's investing specific because we can sometimes be undisciplined in how we engage. But sometimes women don't always have the space to make their voice heard. Have you found that this way of communicating has given you more space to be heard? The discipline of one person at a time. How's that worked for you? Yeah, Shunar, so I think, you know, at Investec, like I said, when um, we went into lockdown, we were smack bang in the middle of a year end, you know, so um, there was a lot of stuff that we had to communicate on. And I mean, Wendy, to your point, when you don't see each other, it's, it's you know, you need to make sure that you're on the right page, you know, all the time. And I think women do have that, that, um, that sort of characteristic of, of bringing people together a lot more and being a bit more collaborative, you know, in the workspace, sort of consultative, you know, making sure everyone's on the same page. It's sort of that community thing, you know, it's like making sure everyone is at the, at the dining room table before we start dinner or something like that, you know. So I think in, in this time, Obviously, as as women, I think, you know, we played a big role in just, you know, pulling people together, making sure everyone's on the same page, making sure that we're collaborative in in making these decisions. And I think it's it's sort of helped sometimes the electronic way, because otherwise there is often a lot of side conversations, you know, so we're not everyone's in the loop, whereas I think this way of communicating you know, everyone's in this in in the loop. You know, because you don't see each other, so you can't have the one-on-one, -on -one and then someone else was out the loop. So I think it's it's definitely made a lot more people being in the loop on stuff. And you know, in in an electronic meeting, it's it's more difficult for people to talk over each other. You know, so you sort of have to listen. You know, and. So, so I think people's voices also got heard a lot more, you know, people that normally might be a bit more soft-spoken or not get the opportunity, you know. So I think it was, um, so I think those are some of the benefits, you know, that it was more collaborative, you know, and more people got got heard. Bangi, to, to Malay's point and, and linking onto what Wendy's saying, just about the natural style of female leaders, you know, trying to bring consensus aligning views, bringing people together. When you and I spoke, you said that, that that's what you thrive on as a leader. You think of, of your stakeholders, of your team, of those around the table as an extension of your family. But you're also in a world where people's needs and interests are not always aligned. And sometimes they, in fact, compete with each other. How have you navigated that? How have you found ways to help people find common ground when things have been so difficult? What I'm learning in this process is listening differently. There are instances that I know that everybody around the table have got a different opinion. So what I'm listening for, no matter how tiny, are those moments where there is a tangent. When minds meet, and because those who are talking want to get their point across and they are not necessarily listening to each other to find commonality. And I'm finding it that it is really up to me to capture the points of commonality and try 
it's almost like my new style is deflect and reframe. Whatever is being said, if it looks very, if it comes out very spicy from the other person, since we're not even sitting in the same room, I feel compelled to be the first one to deflect and offer a, a reframed uh, reference to what that point, that hard point was. I love that. You know, you've learned to listen differently. And I think you're right. When all the other senses uh, are not in use, the ones that are available, you use them differently. Um, so that's a lovely pearl. We're certainly going to we're going to tag that one and name it Bongi's advice of the day. Um, and Wendy, I mean, I'd love to just come to you. You know, you you've often been um, somebody who's been happy to be controversial and and happy to challenge. What are some of the things that you've learned that you've needed to to really hone differently now um, that you can share with us? How's your leadership? changed and morphed in the start. In terms of leadership, you know, that is something, I'm a social activist. That's the part of my life that I love the most. You know, I, I fight. I love fighting, but I, you know, I, I just refuse to fight with the people I love. But a good fight is something that really turns me on because I fight for good and I fight for what is wrong. And I fight more importantly for people who have no voice and access to fairness and justice. It drives me apoplectic. Um, and so quite honestly, you know, in, in South Africa, we have one of the highest Gini coefficients in the world. Um, and there are so many people that just have no, no access to justice. So during this lockdown, I did pick another fight, unfortunately. Um, and, and uh, you know, even my husband thinks I'm completely mad, but I, I do have this boundless energy. Uh, and I took on Facebook. Uh, I took on Facebook and Instagram uh, on behalf of a child. And because they just don't have any responsibility and duty of care to children. So I couldn't let this moment pass. And as I say, I can't tell you what the outcome was. Um, but I think if you see that the this responsibility that they are beginning to take in the world is definitely taking a grip. I mean, I find somebody like Sheryl Sandberg, who writes a passionate book about leaning in, is probably one of the women on the planet who leans out more than any other woman. How she does not respond as a woman absolutely confounds me. That good and, and, and with a moral compass, which is what we bring to the table, and we bring it with generosity. And I tell you, boards that don't include women um, who are uh, kind of stabilizing and, and balancing um, of, of those uh, um, values in life uh, just aren't really thinking about the future because that is where the future is going to lie. Um, and in fact, it kind of brings me as well to, to, the, to the country, which is being led by, you know, we've, we've had a great advantage in South Africa. And Nelson Mandela was really to be commended uh, in giving giving fifty percent of of his parliament to to women. And what started off really, honestly, was a 
was it kind of a dream. And if you look 20 years later, it is still part of that incredible legacy that he has left behind. What he has left behind, though, is women who refuse to lead like women. So, so many of our parliamentarians have chosen to take on some of the really bad characteristics of men. Okay, the greed and the 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 the, uh, the abuse of power. It's really a most tragic and sad situation. You know, Wendy, you make such an important point about the responsibility that women in leadership have um, mm -hmm. for other women and, and, and not to take that lightly um, and to be responsible uh, in what you do with that. Um, and your point is well made. I know that you mentor many women. What are, what are the things that you're advising them at the moment? Listen, I'm quite a tough mentor, make no mistake. Um, I always keep it short and sweet and, uh, you know, but I think, you know, I think to try and get women to do things and use that, that sort of conscience and those, that great set of values. And, you know, we can all do well, but if as while we are doing well, we can do good. That is one of the most important things that you can do. Uh, own your failures not just your successes. Uh, women have got a special gut feel and to use that gut feel. I will tell you something, if you rely on that and you look back on decisions that you made from the beginning, you will actually, you have that kind of, it's, a, it's an almost instant aha moment that you know men just don't have. They just don't have it. So use it, it's an advantage. Uh, and to be productive members of society. To give not only not only of time and money and energy, I mean I think we are all obliged uh, to try and bring women on behind us. It's the pull her up syndrome rather than the push her down. Bangi, you you also shared with me how you are an avid uh, mentor and how you really enjoy investing in in young people and and really helping them. Um, navigate their careers in a way that is meaningful and adds value. What would your advice be to people as they navigate the next few months? It comes in different forms. My interaction in a mentoring uh, uh, scenario always follows what the mentee is looking for. Sometimes I think that I um, I've agreed to mentor a person and uh, it comes out that all that they were looking for is the how-to. So we end up having conversations of, in a situation like this, how do I navigate this? And sometimes it's very, very small things. And it's about owning your journey. And that's, that's usually my standard advice. There is no one who makes your career, you make it yourself. And there's no one who's going to give you the next step. You should always be ready. When the opportunity happens, you step into it. I love that. There are no shortcuts. Do the hard no. work. 
the aunt. Yes, yeah. I, I don't know where they work. And I'm sure there are places where they work. But in my um, career journey, there hasn't been any. And I cannot package that as the solution because I just don't know them. Thank you, Vongi. Mole, as we wrap up this conversation, I'd love to hear from you. For the people who are logging into this and, and who want to hear from you, what is the advice that you want to provide? What is the wisdom you want to share? So I think from my side, Shanaz, is just I think we as women need to support each other. You know, um, we, you know, some of us that, that started, we know what what the, our younger colleagues are going through. So we need to be there. We need to support them. You know, I think for more um, established women, you know, we need to support each other. We need to use each, each other as sounding boards. That's very, very important that we, you know, that we form out our own tribe and that we really support each other. I think that's very, very important. Um, and then for, for younger women, back yourself, you know, but it does, it must come from a place of hard work and knowledge, you know, so you need to do the work, you need to make sure that you know your facts, you know, and then you need to back yourself, you know, um, and if you have a seat at the table, you need to speak up, not just in terms of the role that you've got, but also for minority groups that don't have a seat at the table. It is your responsibility to speak up, you know, um, because there are only a few people there. So you need to make sure that you raise the awareness and that you open the doors for other people. I saw something the other day, when will we stop talking about gender issues? It's when there's balance, you know, then we'll stop, you know. So, um, and I think each of us, each generation has their role to play. You know, people before us fought to get a driver's license. Now people don't ask women, are you getting a driver's license or not? It is obvious that if you turn 18, you're going to go for your driver's license. And I think we need to get to the same same level in business where it's obvious, you know, that um People are considered, doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter what gender, you know, and there is no more bias. I um, don't know about the three of you. I feel very excited and very inspired. I uh, imagine that people who have the benefit of you and people like you, women like you, around tables where decisions are made, uh, where futures are plotted, where influence is exerted, that it can only be a better place. And so I want to just thank you. I want to thank you for all that you bring, for all that you are, and for all that you continue to give to those around you, uh, those in your shadow, those in your light, and those in your family. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's do it, girls. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendation. Investec Specialist Bank, a division of Investec Bank Limited, is a registered credit provider.